0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I was thinking about this video I saw some time ago, maybe on Facebook or somewhere like that, and there were these two little toddlers, like a year old a boy and a girl and they're sitting there like in a nursery school setting and there was like a mom or a teacher or whoever was sitting nearby and watching them and this little boy and little girl had these little toys and they were playing with them and the boy had in his hand these two plastic tubes One was smaller in diameter than the other, and he would put the smaller orange tube into the purple tube. But it was open on both ends, so he would put it in there, and then he would turn it, and it would fall out the bottom. And it seemed to frustrate him, as he would pick it up, and he would put it back in there, and turn it around, and it would fall out the other end. And and he just kept doing this. And and there's a little girl next to him, and she's got these little red circle things that are sort of interlocking toys. and, And she's playing with them. But then she notices the boy with his tube game, and she thinks why doesn't that look fun and so so she watches And one time when he turns the tube upside down and it falls out as it does every time she reaches out and grabs it and takes it from him and when he reaches to get it back his attention is off the other one so she grabs it too now she has both parts of the toy and he's really frustrated by this and so he takes them both back away from her you know and goes back to his game and he's playing it and she is unhappy with this and he he keeps doing this upside down turning it over back and forth and then she keeps trying to wrest it away and so they're they're kind of struggling to see who can control the tube game. At one point the boy stops. He he lets her have it for a minute. He gets up and he goes and gets the little red circles and he brings them back to her and he gives them as if to say, remember this game you were playing, you know? Wasn't it fun? How about you go back to that so I can have my tube game. And he, you know, takes the thing back away from her and begins to play with it. She wants nothing to do with these silly red circles, and so there it is back and forth, she and he trying to see who can control the tube game. It's a little conflict that, um, that every parent or school teacher has seen played out a million times. And it, it sort of, it kind of gives the whole human condition in one little nutshell, right? that we all have a genetic predisposition towards selfishness. This is mine. Don't take it. No, I want it. You know, back and forth. I'm playing the tube game, sister. Wait your turn. And so it looks like the little girl is trying to take away from the little boy something he has. But you yeah, are thinking about it, what if, what if our little peek in the window, my little watch of this video, was just like, One little moment in time. I mean, what if the little boy gets to the nursery school every day before the little girl? What if he always gets the tube game and she never gets to play with a tube game? You know, maybe it's not her, you know, being selfish trying to take away what's his. Maybe she's just trying, you know, to get a a fair opportunity to play this as well. What if our little window is just kind of, you know, kind of obscured. It's kind of a, a, a fake reality, not the real truth, the whole truth silly boy he's never going to get that tube to stay in there anyway when did he give it up quit trying give up on that you've heard me say this before i think every child learns four words right off the bat mommy daddy no and mine <laughs> mine it is mine give me back what's mine we we need, this is i want that this is mine we are born with these competing instincts. On the one hand, we want to be kind and generous. We want to be, um, you know, good. And on the other hand, we want to be selfish and, and take care of ourselves, and control ourselves, and, and protect ourselves, and, and keep what's mine. And parents know, and school teachers know, that this selfish behavior has to be disciplined out, because if not, these little children will grow up into would be adults with abhorrent behavior. We need to learn to be nice, to play nice, and to be unselfish. But it's a lifetime of learning. In the gospel lesson today, um, Matthew takes us inside the mind and heart of one Joseph of of Nazareth. We know very little about Joseph. I mean, precious little. Um, But what we do know that Matthew tells us about him is that he is part of the family of David, a very important family in ancient Israel, We know from other sources that Joseph is is an artisan, a a carpenter perhaps, somebody who works with his hands, so we doubt if he has any wealth. What he does have of real value is a good name. He's from the family of David. We also know that he is engaged. Betrothed is the, uh, the, the ancient language. He's betrothed to a young woman called Mary. But betrothal is actually to be wed at least part of it in, in ancient Israel there's a three-step process to being married. The first step and this would be the typical one not I mean there would be atypical examples but the typical one was that a, a, um, a father and a mother met together with another couple and they arranged a marriage. they arranged a marriage you know my daughter will marry your son, your son marries my daughter whatever and, and they would have this little arrangement and, and once the arrangement was set, and perhaps there was some agreement by the parties, that these people would be wed. So Joseph and Mary's parents met, and and they made the arrangement, and they were betrothed, and at that moment they were legally married. But they weren't allowed to live together, and they weren't allowed to be intimate with one another. They had to wait until the second part of the, the marriage process, which was that the groom had to pay what was called a bride price. The groom had to give money to the father of the bride because she would be leaving his home and be part of another family, and their children would be part of that other family. And so it would be a hardship for the the, the bride's family when she left. So the groom had to pay the money. Once the money was paid, then there would be a festival, and the groom would show up at the house of the bride and take her to his home. And they would be happily married and um, complete with all the necessary comforts pertaining thereto. (laughs) From there on out, they are married. What we know about the Joseph and Mary situation is that they are betrothed. They have entered the first part. There's been an agreement. They are officially married. But as Matthew says, they have not yet come together. The bride price has not been paid. And there's a huge problem. Mary is pregnant. This is a scandal beyond scandals. We're on page number one of the New Testament. And we have our hero, Joseph, and his engaged, you know, betrothed wife, who's pregnant before the bride price, before the festival. So this is untimely, if ever there was an untimely marriage. And Joseph knows where babies come from. Storks are not in season this time of year in Israel. And so he knows this is a real problem. He knows what's going on. And so in the first page of the New Testament, we have this serious crisis. A serious crisis that requires all kinds of deliberation. I don't think it's hard for us to imagine Joseph going through some real soul-searching. I mean, sort of heart-wrenching. You know when you have that problem that you just keep turning over and over in your head? The one that wakes you up in the middle of the night, you just keep going over it and over it. I don't. Matthew solves the problem for us in a sentence, you know, basically a semicolon gets the job done. But for, for, for Joseph, it's not like that. I think it's days, perhaps even weeks. And he finally comes up with the only decision he could make. He has to divorce Mary. And this is what it will require, an actual divorce. He has to go to her father and then go to the rabbi, and they have to have an an actual legal divorce. But one of two types of divorces can be had. They can do it quietly. Families get together, the rabbi shows up, it's over. Or Joseph can expose her publicly. He can tell the local magistrates, This woman is pregnant and is not my child. And if he does that, then Mary will be forced to answer. Whose child is it? And if she refuses to answer, and even if she does answer, she's likely to be executed for this crime. This is a capital offense. So Joseph's dilemma is a real one. Because if he takes and just divorces her quietly, his reputation is going to be destroyed. People are going to say, he did this, and then he didn't want to take care of his wife. He has a real dilemma on his hands. Does he, expose her, does he divorce her quietly or expose her publicly? His reputation, her life. These are my tubes. I had them first. Right? Can you imagine Joseph in his mind going through the things that you would go through and I would go through? She did this. She brought this on herself. She asked for it. I did nothing wrong. I I did nothing wrong here. Not my fault. Hey, not my problem. But he's righteous, Joseph is. That's what this Bible says. Joseph is a righteous man. And so he won't humiliate Mary. He won't put her in a vulnerable position. He'll spare her life. Here's what Matthew says uh, uh, that night. Joseph has a dream as he's, he's, he's contemplating all of these things. Joseph He has a dream, and an angel comes to him who says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Do two things. Pay the bride price. Take this woman as your wife. And then name the baby. Once Joseph names the baby... The baby enters Joseph's family, the family of David. He gives this child his name. The only thing of value he has, he gives to this child. He shares, the angel commands him to share his good name. You know, sometimes God calls us to do things that are difficult to do. Sometimes the call of God is very difficult on us. It's things that, that we had not think of, that we'd not want to do. And Joseph and Mary know this altogether well. I imagine a young couple who had all kinds of plans for a future. And this totally interrupts their plans. It's Advent season for us. We're almost at Christmas. If we can get these lights to work on this tree by, you know, Tuesday night, we're going to be right there. I mean, this how close we are right on the cusp of Christmas. And our lives are sort of schizophrenic at this point, aren't they? I mean, on the one hand, there's so much to be happy about and so much to be joyous about. And you know, the expectations, houses are decorated. And maybe presents are starting to show up under a tree. And they're all wrapped. And And there's food. Oh my word, there's food. I am going to have to work out so much. Um, You know, there's candy and cookies. and drinks and all the good stuff and maybe maybe like abby and i we're just a, a hours away from seeing faces we haven't seen in a year you know our boys oh we're gonna be so thrilled and can't wait on the other hand we have all this anxiety we have these things to do right did you You know, those cookies don't make themselves, you know, and and those trees don't decorate themselves. and, And that house doesn't all put together and the parties aren't all done together, you know, by themselves. People like me who never make lists have to make lists. Did you go and do this thing? Did you stop and order that thing? Did you pick up that thing that you were supposed to get? All this giddy anticipation, all this anxiety and stress, all at the same time. You know what none of us are anticipating? The thing that's going to come in and just mess up our plans? The thing that's going to come in and interrupt what we were planning to do? I don't have time for this. It's not my problem. I'm embarrassed how many times I think and sometimes say, not my problem. <laughs> you know? Because it seems like when you're a clergyman, everything is your problem. And um, so I think it, and maybe you do too, not my problem. It's sort of the mantra of our age, not my problem. Thank God that Joseph was a righteous man. He shows us what righteousness means. It is my problem. It is my burden to bear. It's what I'm called to do. Those toddlers in the in the video, they were super cute, and if you saw them, you would just like, oh, it's just adorable. And even their little game of selfishness was kind of cute, and you wanted to hug them, and like, it was just, it was fun. And we know that they think that happiness is from grasping. You got to hold on to what's yours, hold on to what's mine. Joseph shows us. That righteousness means living by letting go, not by holding on. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.